0: Well, it is that time of year again. If you have kids in school, it's time for school pictures. Maybe you already got through yours, maybe you're still to come, but pretty soon it's gonna be school pictures. And I showed you a couple weeks ago, my school picture. Yeah, I don't remember exactly what grade this was, but there I was. That is one of my better school pictures. I showed you some others that weren't that great, but this is one of my better school pictures. You know what, Uh, and then there was this guy, and he retired just a few years ago. His name is Dale Irby, and he took his school pictures and he took the exact same outfit, same clothing for every year for 42 years until he retired, 42 years in a row. And he he, he wore this kind of disco vest, uh, white shirt, uh, and you just get, see him getting older and older and older. It's hysterical. And of course he did it, not because he's a nerd or some weirdo, but because he just had this terrific sense of humor and he got a huge kick out of it. And so did everybody else. They look forward to it. What's he gonna wear this year? Well, there you go. He wears the same thing every single year. In other words, his clothes make a statement about him. Dale Irby made a statement about him. What the statement it made was, I'm a guy with a sense of humor. I'm consistent. You can depend on me, but I got a sense of humor here, right? It's fantastic. You know, clothes make statements. They just flat out do, you know, and we spend more time than we might care to admit. Even if you don't really care that much about fashion or anything, you spend time thinking every day, okay, you know, uh, what outfit am I going to pick out and so forth, and you do that. Everybody does that, Uh, and it does make a difference, and different clothing is appropriate in different situations, you know. You don't wear, you know, what you wear to the to the swimming pool that you would wear to a job interview, if you want to have a job, that is, all right. Um, years ago, we had this am- amazing, fantastic new employee at Valley Church, and uh, he was great. He had a great attitude. He loved Jesus. He was just, he did great work. He's just an amazing guy, but his first couple weeks on the job, one thing that was kind of noticeable, and we, we all thought, saw it, was um, this, this guy, he didn't wear shoes. He, he, he just went around barefoot. And, um, and, you know, one day he was talking about, how do I kind of advance and so forth? And this only went on for a few days, of course, but his supervisor finally said, you know, and he didn't really notice it at first, but when he did, he said, you know, if you want to be taken seriously, you can't walk around in your bare feet. You, you should put shoes on. This is not Arkansas, all right? You, you have to wear shoes in Iowa, okay? And so, anyway, this guy took it to heart. He continued to excel and did an amazing job. And today, that young man is now a lead pastor of a growing church and he's getting his PhD. Wow. So he, he, he made this connection, you know? And, uh, and clothes do matter. And maybe they're overrated in some respect, but they, they do make a difference. And today I wanna to talk to you about your relationships. Uh, and, and I'm gonna get there in a minute about clothing, but your relationships. You know, all of us have these relationships in our lives and some of them are going great. Some of them are, need some mending. Some of them are, you know, really in trouble. Some of them, we just like them to be closer and better and stronger, whether it's family or friendships or marriage or just anything, we want those relationships. And what I wanna tell you today is that you are able, through the principles of the Word of God, to restart every single relationship you have by answering one question. One question. This is transformative. All you have to do is answer this one question, and it will restart all your relationships. You ready for the question? Here's the one question. What am I going to wear today? What kind of clothing am I going to put on? Now, we're not talking about your physical threads, whatever you wear, but we're talking about clothing, the way, the kind of person you become, the kind of things that you put on, uh, and we'll get to what that means exactly in just a moment. Back to uh, a couple weeks ago, in Colossians chapter 3, we're in this amazing letter of Paul's. So if you've been raised with Christ, and you have been, seek the things above where Christ is seated, right? Seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. So you've got a new identity. You've got a new position. You've got a new outlook. You've got a new worldview because you've been raised with Christ. You have new life. Everything's new in your life. And so you don't look at things the way you used to. You don't have the same old worldview. You have a different way of looking at things. And then verse three, for you died that old way, gone, dead, buried, and your life now is hidden it's all wrapped up with Christ in God and when Christ who is your life remember we said Christ is not a part of your life not an aspect of your life Christ is your life that's your new life when he appears then you will also appear with him in glory so we have this new identity and then Pastor Brandon said picking up on that last weekend uh, we have this new identity because we're new people therefore we put away the old stuff put to death put it away put it put off take it off. So he talked about various traits and practices of both the inner person and our outer relationships. He says, they got to change, put off those things, get rid of them from your life, delete them. They've all expired. We all have old clothes that need to be discarded. And like those, these things and greed and immorality and impurity, and and also uh, things that go on arguing and anger and malice, those all need to be put off. You ever get, you know, get sick, you know, with the flu or something, you're in bed for several days, you know, when you get, you finally get better, you, you just want to get rid of that clothing. I mean, you want to go wash, you don't want that old clothing, you get rid of it, right? You at least wash it, right? That's what he's saying here in verses five through 11 and, and uh, in, in Colossians. And then we learned last week, you have put off the old self with its practices, all that old stuff, and you put on the new self you're being renewed in knowledge according to the image of your creator now this is an amazing thing so we stopped at the end of of that passage and we put off all these old things now what happens when you put off all your old clothes you are now naked you don't have any clothes so now you put on new clothes so it's not enough just to get rid of sins and bad practices but we also need to put on new traits, new character traits. And now we have this new set of clothing. And he says, You're being renewed. You're, you're not only a new person once for all in Jesus, but you're also being renewed day by day to be like Jesus in the image of your Creator, which we learned earlier in Colossians is Christ. Christ above all. So, above all things, you put on Christ, right? And what I'm going to take you to now is a very simple passage, it's three verses. It's not really difficult to understand, but sometimes, maybe like me, we need a reminder that these things are important. It can radically change your whole life. This simple passage, easy to understand, but living out these principles one day at a time, consistently over time, can restart all your relationships, improve harmony in your friendships, help resolve sticky situations, help you get along with difficult people, set appropriate boundaries, and build up the body of Jesus Christ, his church. So let's dive in together, can we? Colossians 3, verse 12. Therefore, as God's chosen ones, holy and dearly loved, loved. First thing I do when I get up in the morning, what am I going to wear today? But before I get my clothing on, change clothes into my, what I'm going to wear for that day. First thing I do, you got to do too, is you got to grab your glasses. Now some of you are saying, I don't wear glasses. Don't care. It's okay. Just imagine you do. But I have to wear glasses. I wear contacts. I can't see without them. So I'm not moving around until I know how to see the day. And that's what you got to do. When you wake up in the morning, you got to see the day. So you put on the glasses. How do you see the day? Go back what he said. Therefore, as God's chosen ones, we who are people of the body of Christ. We need to see ourselves and our identity. Here's what I'm going to tell you. God chose you. You didn't choose him. He chose you. Why? Because he wanted to. He loves you. Why? Because he loves you. It's not anything in ourselves. We're the only reason we're these new people is because of God. He chose us in him. Now we're involved in the process, of course. We have to believe in Christ. We need to repent of our sins. and I get all that. But ultimately, it's a sovereign work of God god chose you and this is an amazing privilege we're the elect of god we're the chosen of god you are chosen people and then he says you're holy that that word holy means to be set apart god's got special designs and purposes for your life you're holy you're not the same as you used to be you've been set apart You're not unclean you're set apart for special purposes we've said before it's a difference between paper plates and fine china you dispose of paper plates fine china you keep they're the holy ones they're the ones that are set apart for thanksgiving and for christmas and for easter and for special days that's what god says you're holy i've set you apart from my purposes not because of anything in you but because of my love and kindness in your life and then you're dearly loved do you need to hear today you are loved dearly loved the word is a very warm word it's just like like what a what a father when a father looks upon or a mother looks upon their children and and they're they they they're just precious to them they're so important to them they love them they do anything for them that's your father in heaven dearly loved by Jesus Christ as well so grab your glasses get that perspective because if you don't have that perspective as you lead the day, if you're just an ordinary person waking up, you're not God's chosen, you're not holy and set apart, and you're not dearly loved, then it's going to mess up everything else you do the rest of your day. You have to know who you are in Christ. So grab your glasses, and that's how you're going to look at the rest of your day. And then you're going to get dressed. And now he's going to say what you're going to wear. So the one question that restarts all the relationships is, what will I Wear today. What am I going to wear today? He says, therefore, as God's chosen one, holy and dearly loved, put on. Or some translations accurately, clothe yourselves with or put on. Now start dressing yourself. There's a time in your life when you didn't know how to dress yourself, right? Your mom, your dad had to show you how to dress yourself. And oh, what a glorious day it was for your mom and dad when you learned how to dress yourself. You didn't have to be helped. You could do it all by yourself. And what God is saying to you, you're all grown up now. It's time you start dressing yourself. Every single day, you dress yourself. This is an intentional perspective you take on life. And I'm going to dress myself today. These words are tr- incredibly radically transforming if we take them to heart. He says, Here's what you do you put on, here's the second principle you put on the big five, these five traits. Put on the big five, and what are those five traits? You put on compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Let's talk about those big five articles of clothing. Some of you are saying, I, and I want you to memorize those five, by the way. Compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. I want you to memorize them. You said, I can't memorize. I can't memorize five things. Yes, you can. Let me ask you today, do you have underwear on? Maybe, you have underwear on, of course you do, why? Because you knew you had to put that on and when you go out for the day you'll have underwear on and you'll have shoes on you'll have socks on you'll have pants on and you'll have a shirt on that's five things you learned that you can learn these five things you learned underwear shoes socks pants shirt you can learn compassion kindness humility gentleness and patience let's look at these each one of the five all right first one's compassion You put on this. You say, I'm going to intentionally wear this today. You're wearing it. Compassion means you care. It's an emotion word. You risk yourself by giving a rip about other people. You don't view them as mere objects. You have a heart of mercy that sees needs and you're moved to help people. You are. We live in a Humpty Dumpty world. Remember the old children's rhyme? Humpty Dumpty sat on a wall. Humpty Dumpty had a great fall. And all the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't put Humpty together again. It's actually a a children's rhyme to teach this biblical concept of the fall of humanity. And human, human beings can't put themselves back together again. They need outside help. They need God. And not as a consultant but as a savior and a redeemer. And it took his mercy and compassion looking out for us to make a difference in our lives. He saw our need and he reached out and he restored us. That's what you do. Now, when we're, as we go into each of these five, big five, there's some of you who are going to say, well, that's great, except we live in a hostile culture. And so we need to put on the full armor and be warriors and just take people out and so forth and so on here's the thing is god has not ever edited this out of the bible it's always here these five traits you're told to put on every single day keep on putting these on all the time but what we've seemed to in in our hostile culture at least some folks have seemed to see we don't need to be compassionate or kind or gentle or any of those things we just need to stand for truth it's not either or guys it's both and And the great challenge of the Christian life is being able to stand for truth and even in the best sense of the word, fight for truth and not be ashamed of the gospel and and, and to, to, uh, to wrestle over serious issues and contend for the faith once for all delivered to the people of God. Yes, all of those things are true. And in fact, the first two chapters of Colossians, a lot of them are about that. False doctrine, and heresy, and uh, cultural uh, uh, pressures against us, and temptations that come our way. Of course you fight. We've talked all about that. And we understand. But we also understand the people in our world are not the ultimate enemy. Satan is. And he is out to take out every person. He's out to take out every community. He's out to take out every nation. And therefore, it's not a either or it's a both ends. So yes, stand for truth. Yes, be a champion of righteousness. Yes, do all those things. Now don't expect non-Christian people to have Christian values, why? Because they're not Christians. They don't have the Holy Spirit. Doesn't mean you can't elevate a standard though. Doesn't mean you can't stand for truth. Do all those things, but you have to do it with these five articles of clothing at the same time. So what is it? You stand, you put on compassion. Because we live in a Humpty Dumpty world. All the people around you are broken. And they cannot fix themselves. They need Jesus. They need a redeemer. You know, there are certain um, conditions uh, that when you hear about them, that people go through, maybe it's a car accident. Maybe it's the loss of a job. And when you hear it, you're just immediately compassionate because you're like, wow, that, or you're you're very concerned. I remember that, uh, I remember years ago, I got a kidney stone and, um, and I passed a kidney stone. And if I ever mentioned that to people, immediately, in the, 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 you know, they, they feel the pain of it, even if they've never had a kidney stone. Um, there's compassion there. That's the thing is, some things are easy to spot to have compassion for. There's other things that are not as easy to spot. And you don't know, even your worst enemies, you don't know what they've gone through that have made them into these kind of people. And they're Humpty Dumpty. Uh, they can't fix themselves. And so, yes, we, we, we stand for truth and, and righteousness and, and justice and all that, but we still have a heart of compassion to people. We actually hope that somehow. God's help can come to them. We pray for them. Jesus said, bless them. Don't curse them. Pray for them. Love them. Show them kindness. This is what we're talking about. That leads us to our next verse. Kindness. You put on kindness. Compassion is more the heart that goes out to people. Kindness is putting that heart into action. Because if you just feel it, you got to start there. Jesus says he was moved with compassion when he saw the crowds. You got to start with that. Your heart is stirred. But then you say, I need to do something kindness is the follow-through on compassion it's actually putting shoe leather to the compassion you care enough enough to actually do something so compassion is is the shirt that covers the heart kindness are the shoe leather that gets things done that's what you put on kindness it's that generous willingness to help it's willing to sacrifice it's willing to serve it's willing to be generous to someone It's a readiness to do real-life acts of love, even when others do not deserve it. That's what we're talking about. I want it always to be said of Valley Church that kindness is spoken here. That you can count on the people of Jesus at Valley Church to be people of kindness. That includes me. Doesn't mean we don't stand for truth. Doesn't mean we don't stand for righteousness. Doesn't we are kind. Um, sometimes there's time for straight talk. But we still have a compassionate heart and we put on kindness. Keep that in mind. Bear that in mind. Not just on Sundays, but all the time. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, all the way through the week. It's a daily thing. How are you going to radically transform your relationships? How are you going to restart all your relationships? You ask yourself one question. What will I wear today? What am I going to wear today? And the first two articles you're going to put on is compassion and kindness. This is challenging because we have two great enemies of kindness that all of us um, face. The two enemies are... Time and selfishness. We don't have enough time to to be kind to people because we got other stuff to do. It'll cost you your time. The great currency is time. And then selfishness, it's just not caring. So the polar issues here on these first two you got compassion on one end, apathy on the other. Where are you on that spectrum? And then kindness on the one end and uh, just. A mean-spirited heart and just a lack of willingness to help at all is on the other end. Compassion in action. You actually do something. Um, Some of us are moving so fast. I I remember, I don't have this ride anymore at Adventureland, but years ago I go there with my kids and they had this thing called the silly silo. Remember silly silo? And it spun around and the thing was, what happened was, Is spun around so fast that you were pinned up against the side of the wall. And that's how some of us are living now. We're going so fast that we're pinned up against the side of the wall. We don't have ability to go talk to somebody next to us or over across the room because we're pinned up against the wall because the the rotation of our lives, the, the velocity of our lives doesn't allow us to show kindness and to actually do something for someone. Think about these things and just put them on every day and say, I'm going to put my glasses on and then I'm going to put on kindness and compassion. Keep going. Humility. Humility means you show respect for others and you don't think too highly of yourself. It is a proper understanding of your own strengths and weaknesses. Humility in the Bible is exactly the opposite of humility as it was understood in the ancient world. When Paul wrote these words, when he had that word humility, This was not considered, the word was not considered a virtue in the ancient world. It was considered a flaw. It was like people that just were weak and they didn't uh, think they were any good and, uh, and they thought very lowly of themselves. That's how their understanding of humility. It took Christianity to capture that and have a whole new kind of looking at humility humility doesn't say i'm nothing humility says no i'm chosen i'm holy god set me apart and i'm dearly loved we don't we don't play those things down i'm filled with god's spirit i have god within me but you have an on you don't look you don't look more lowly on yourself you look in the mirror and say who am i in christ and then when you see that then you're able to see god who is much greater than all and everybody around yourself in a different way. You see yourself and your relationships in a different way. God has blessed us. And anything you have is from the hand of God. So that keeps us humble because we know any good thing I have, any talent I have, any um, material wealth I have, it's all from God. Any giftedness I have, your house, your car, uh, your abilities, your mind, your body, whatever it is, don't think too highly of yourself because it's all from God anyway. It, it's, it's not saying to think lowly of yourself. It's just say, don't, don't think of yourself as better than you are. Think of yourself as you really are. With all your strengths and weaknesses, but say, I'm a child of God and I'm holy and dearly loved. Um, and when you're humble, you show respect for other people. You lose kind of a, a, an arrogance that thinks you're better than other people. It changes the way you interact with people. I mean, you want to re- restart all your relationships? Start by putting on humility every day and say, there go I but for the grace of God. I think all the other people in your life that you're looking down on, or that I'm looking down on, and that we're judging, and that we're angry with, and that we're fighting with, or competing with, or whatever it is, and we just put on the humility and say, you know, Here's a picture of humility. Jesus humbled himself and became obedient to death, death, even death, on a cross. That's my life now. I got to humble myself like a servant. I'm willing to help others. I'm willing to serve others. I'm compassionate. I'm kind. I'm humble. I I have a book in my library. It's called Cat and Dog Theology. (laughs) The difference between cat and dog theology. Um, The difference between cats and dogs. Dog. Dog. You know, your dog loves you. Thinks you're amazing. And and thinks you're God. The cat doesn't care about you. Just does his own thing and he thinks he's God. That's the difference between cats and dogs. And I love them both, but yeah, humanly speaking, there's a difference between a cat and dog theology. What's your theology? How do you view yourself in light of God? And when we really see ourselves that way, the arrogance is gone, the self-centeredness is gone, because we see Jesus up on a cross, the creator of the universe, humbled himself, and suddenly we lose the, lose the arrogance. And the killers, that really arrogance is a killer of community and friendship and relationships. When, you, when you're looking down on everybody, it just destroys everything. It's so much arrogance. In our world today, so much sh- shooting my own views and their self-appointed gurus on every topic, they're all over social media. doesn't mean you can't make a difference there. It means you're humble. Another one, number four of the top big five is gentleness. Gentleness is not weakness sometimes or sometimes it was translated meekness, but Uh, the uh, biblical translators of new uh, English ones, they got away from meekness because it sounds too much like weakness. Meek and mild and, you know, I mean, no, gentleness. It is, the word is actually used as power under control. It's used of a wild horse who is over time brought, brought about to be tame and has that strength now under control, not just running wild, but now can be used by the master for purposes that are good. That's what gentleness is. Gentleness is power, strength, under control. It's being considerate of other people. It's a willingness to waive my own personal rights at times. When say, you know, I I have the right to this, but I'm not going to choose that. Instead, I'm going to choose to do this. Instead, I'm going to be gentle. This week... um, very well-known basketball coach died. His name was Bobby Knight. Bobby Knight was the coach of the Indiana University basketball team when I was a student at Indiana University. He won three national championships, one of them while I was a student there, sophomore in Indiana. It was amazing. And we all, you know, admired Bobby Knight in a lot of ways for his strategy. Amazing. But, you know, everybody, you know, and maybe you hate Bobby Knight, but, you know, and there were times actually when Bobby Knight could be gentle. He, he could care for kids in a cancer ward. He could go out of his way to help somebody who was in need. He, he did. But this is not a, tra- a trait you think that Bobby Knight put on first thing every morning, gentleness. Gentleness. And you can be incredibly successful and yet trash all your relationships. You can have all the knowledge in the world. You can have, be the expert on everything. But if you don't have the gentleness of Jesus, you end up destroying every relationship that you hold dear to you. Somebody, you know, hey, could you, could you cut my fingernails? You know, I'd like to cut my fingernails. And they hand you a chainsaw. That's not going to work. You can't trim... Your eyebrows with a weed eater. No, it's not good. (laughs) When I think of gentleness, I actually think of an expectant mother. The expectant mother is very in touch with how her actions will impact her unborn child. She doesn't just do anything she wants. She thinks about it. She thinks about what she eats and drinks. She thinks about how she moves. She thinks about all those things. And she can still be very active and involved and amazing, but she thinks about her unborn child every single day. That's, to me, the ultimate picture of gentleness. The expectant mom is not gonna probably get on the roller coaster rides. Just not a good idea. (laughs) And, And it's just a great picture for all of us. And when there's a lack of gentleness, we get loud, we get abrasive, we get insensitive, we get sarcastic. Sarcasm is great. Sarcasm, I tell people, is like salt. It's good in very small quantities, but you overdo it and you ruin everything. Put on gentleness. It's tactfulness. It's thinking about diplomacy. Now, there, now, don't get me wrong. For those of you who are truthers, you're just, I'm going after truth. I'm not taking away truth. We had that in the first two chapters. Dealt a lot with that. But there's a way what you say is important, but how you say it is also important. What you do is important, and how you do it is also important. Put on gentleness. Tactful, diplomatic, when sometimes you've got to stay it straight, but still remember gentleness. Put that on. And then the number five of the big five is patience. The word is long-suffering. It's enduring when others wrong you, when others hurt you, when others exasperate you and drive you crazy. Patience. I remember um, many years ago, I was a pastor in Glenwood, Iowa. And in Glenwood, Iowa, they have the state, it was then called the State Hospital School for uh, citizens who have cognitive disabilities. Um, and there were about 1,300 residents of the, of the Glenwood School. And I remember one time I was at the restaurant in, Mo- in uh, excuse me in Glenwood called the Taco Chick. What is a Taco Chick? Well, you get tacos there and you get chicken there. It's Taco Chick. And I got out of the restaurant and there was a lot of uh, of the residents of the Glenwood school in the restaurant and then they were coming out about the same time I was and I had my car, and I was in my car and I was I had to get to a meeting, you know, church meeting. It was important. I had to get to a meeting. And, but the, the, the van, the big van that was picking up the, um, the students, or the, excuse me, the residents of the state school, um, were, were loading. And there were wheelchairs, and there were crutches, and there were all sorts of disabilities. And I'm looking at my watch, and she says, Come says, come on, come on, come on, come on, can we speed it up a little bit? Come on! And then it's like God is like as if he took me, look, I took a two by four to my head and said, you big jerk. That could be one of your children. That could be you. Patience. Patience is a virtue. And as followers of Jesus, we live in a culture that has very little patience for anyone. So if you want to start restart every relationship, you put on patience every day. What am I going to wear today? I'm going to wear patience. Oh, and you start doing that, and you know God's going to show you some situations. I guarantee you, he has with me. Because by nature, I'm impatient. I want things now. I, I want to see results. I want to see things advance. I want these things, things move. But God says, blessed are those who wait. And sometimes it's the measure of a man or a woman or a child. Can you wait? Can you actually wait for that prayer to be answered? Can you actually wait for that other person to, to be transformed? Some of us come to epiphanies of, of something we understand now, something in the Bible or some teaching in the Bible, and we didn't understand it before, or maybe we become believers in Jesus. And suddenly, everybody, you, we, we have this epiphany, it's life transforming for you. I remember this happened, a friend of mine had this transformative experience about parenting, fathering. And he just, it was incredible for him. It made him a much better father. But they say nothing's worse than a convert. And suddenly he had this personal revolution himself. And now he was on a crusade for all the other fathers. And he started just pushing them too hard and, 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 and impatient with the way they were treating. The, he, was, he became the expert on fathering. You, you, know, you know this happens all the time, right? <laughs> I know it does. And I finally had to ask him very kindly. I tried to do it with gentleness, but I said, yeah, he just, you know, when did, when did you have this insight about fathering? And he said, well, last year. And I said, well, uh, how, how old are you? He said, I'm 38. I said, so last year, you're 37. He said, yeah. He said, what are you getting at? I said, God waited for you for 37 years to make that discovery. Are you willing to wait 37 years for other people to make that discovery? Are you willing to be patient? You put on that and you're a different person. It's, it's the question that we ask, why is it taking so long? Or why have I had to put up with this for so long or put up with this person for so long or put up with this situation for so long? And it's, it's like put on patience. It's Jesus. I mean, think of Jesus coming down with those 12 disciples. What did he put up with for three years? They never really did get it until he sent the Holy Spirit, and then they finally understood. <laughs> but we're like that sometimes, aren't we? P- put on these five, big five. And then he goes on, verse 13. He says, bear with each other. Here it is. Bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a grievance against another, just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also are to forgive. Wow, here's, here's, here's some things. So the principle here, I want to make it real simple. It's that you, you discard what clashes. So you got this, this stuff you're putting on, this um, uh, clothing you're putting on. But you have something, and, I, and this is me sometimes, you know, I'm walking around the house, Ruth says that doesn't really go with that. It, it clashes. I'm colorblind, I've told you that guys before. She says that clash, you don't wanna wear that anymore. Okay, or you have something that really, you know, fashion expert says this really doesn't go with the outfit. So you did get rid of that, you discard what clashes. And he says, you got all this uh, compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, you got the big five on. And then there's this clashing thing that still there. It's called grudges. It's called anger. It's called lashing out. It's called expecting people to get their act together when they're just not there yet. He says bearing with one another. You know, just bearing with one another. The word here is just just put up with it. Long suffering is the other translation. And I learned a long time ago, in order for God to help us to be long-suffering, we must first be (laughs) long-bothered. We're bothered for a long time, that's long-suffering, if we put up with it. And I'm not saying, by the way, enabling an abuser. Not at all. That needs to be called out. We're not talking about outrageous, criminal, abusive behavior. Absolutely call that out. We're talking about the everyday slights of life. The everyday things that rub you the wrong way. The everyday things that um, just drive you nuts. And he says, bear with each other. Learn to, you know, just be able to say, okay, I get it. And you're, you're willing to walk with them and not, uh, not reject them as a friend or reject them as a mate. Bear with one another. Somebody said there are like four different personality types. Maybe you've heard these. The otter it's like the fun-loving. The beaver is like get stuff done. The lion is like take charge. And the golden retrievers are like the loyal friend. There's a fourth one, the bear. That's not what this verse is about. Like the bear that attacks, it's the opposite of that. It's putting some sweetener on the situation. It's like adding some sweetener to otherwise bland uh, drink that you have. And let's face it, there's some people in our lives that they're our own mission impossible. I mean, it's like, how, how am I going to do this? How am I going to live this? And he's saying, put on this, put on all these five, big five, and then one. the thing that doesn't go with this is grudges and anger and unforgiveness. That's where he goes on. He goes, forgive one another. A willingness to release the person from a legitimate complaint or grievance you have against them. Now, again, We're not saying we're letting people off the hook for wrongdoing. We're not saying we don't confront issues and wrongdoing and sin. We absolutely do. So don't misunderstand this. We're not saying, hey, they they won't change. Do I just accept that? No, I'm not saying that you just put up with, uh, you know, some kind of terrible behavior. We're not talking about that. There's a place for confrontation. Absolutely. There's a place for discipline. Absolutely. But in most situations of life, it's forgiveness. And in in every wrong that's done to you, even the most grievous sin, there's a willingness to forgive. There's a heart that says, even if this person is very much a wrongdoer to you, you say, in my heart of heart, I want to forgive that person, I forgive them in Jesus, and I long for them to experience the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. Doesn't mean you become a doormat, doesn't mean you put up with wrong behavior, you don't. But it does mean you have a heart of forgiveness. That you say, I'm going to release the anger. I'm going to release the violent response that I want to give to this. I'm going to release the offense that I have against this person. There are some people that have a hard time. All of us at times have grievances, legitimate ones, against us. I I was watching a World Series game this week. And a lot of you saw this maybe on social media, but there was, a, uh, there was a guy at the plate in the World Series and then spotted behind the plate in the first row of seats is an Iowa Hawkeyes fan. And look, he's holding up a sign. What's the sign say? It wasn't a fair catch. You Remember that game? I mean, a couple of weeks ago, he hadn't forgotten. He's not, he's airing his grievance. Right? He's letting everybody know, the world know, there's millions of viewers. It wasn't a fair catch. And everybody in Iowa had a great time with that. And he got on talk shows and TV interviews and all sorts of stuff. It was hilarious. And guess what? Holding those kind of grievances, sports are exempt from this. You can hold these grievances forever, right? Right? Not really, but we get it. You can talk about it. It's fun. Just don't let it ruin your entire week or more, even more, your entire life. Our our response oftentimes to someone wrong, doing us wrong is to, to stuff it, to, to share it with others, to limit it, to ignore it, to talk about it, to tolerate it, to forget it. Everything but forgive it. And he says, how can I ever forgive this person? Just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you are also to forgive. So here's what you do. You just start making up a big, long list. You make up a list of as, all the sins that God has forgiven you. Just start the list. Just start list, mentally, and then even write it down, all the sins that God has forgiven you. And after you've finished your big, long list, then you you look at that person in a different way. He wants us to reflect deeply on this. Just as the Lord has forgiven you, that's not something you just can conjure up in a minute. That's something you have to think deeply about. And this is a process. This is a maturing process. You're restarting every relationship because you're saying, okay, I'm going to think about this differently just as the Lord forgave me, that's going to take a while. That's not going to, something you're going to do in, in 10 seconds. It's something you're going to have to ponder, meditate, chew on, think about, and then you forgive that person. A lot of questions surrounding forgiveness. I understand that. Again, not condoning, not excusing, not approving, and doesn't mean you don't confront it. But it does mean there's a heart of forgiveness that says, I will not hold this against them. Jesus hanging on the cross, says, Father, please do not hold this sin against them. That becomes our heart. And I tell you, when that starts happening, it transforms every single relationship you have. It, you cannot be the, the same. There are, there are some of us in our relationships that we, this is the main work that we need to, 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 um, to do, is to forgive someone. And uh, it may be a process. You may need help. It may take time. It certainly will. But you're aiming and you're working toward that. God bless you as you do. I know he is going to not only call you to honor Jesus in that, but he's also going to enrich and transform your life and bless your life because you've forgiven just as Jesus forgave you. So keep going strong. Last one is, um, above all, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. The per- the love is the thing that brings us all together. It also kind of ties up all these traits we've been talking about. Love's over everything. Here's the last principle. What will I wear today? What am I going to wear today? You wear love as your signature style. Everybody's got a signature style, you know? You know kind of, that's the way you t- typically dress, right? And maybe if there's work and, and play are different, but you have a, a signature style. You know, there's some people in our culture, they have such a signature style that you just know them, even from a distance, you can tell who it is. It's celebrities, right? I was in Palm Springs last year and I saw this, this statue. Even if I didn't see the top, I knew who this person was. It's a signature style. Of course, it's Marilyn Monroe. Here's another one. Uh, you know who this is. That's his signature style. You got another one. You know who this is. Even if you don't see the name, you know that's Michael Jackson. You see a silhouette of him and you know that's Michael Jackson. That is him. That's his signature style. Here's another one. You don't, Everybody knows who this is. Barbie. Of course, she has her signature style. You just need to see this. You know who we're we're talking about. Michael Jordan. And then this week, the Great Pumpkin Party. Look who showed up. Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift. Amazing, right? They all got signature styles, and you have a signature style. And every believer in Jesus, go back to the verse, above all, put on love. The last thing you put on, the garment, like your go-to outfit, your, your thing that you always put on. I have some of those. It's like, I wear this all the time. And God's saying, wear this all the time. We're love. Love is the thing that that blends and bonds them all together. Above all, love all. Love's a perfect glue for all of your relationships. What will bring a family together? Will it be a vacation, activities, money, health, house, programs, church ministries, social uh, relationships, relationship experiences? All those things are great but what will bring a family together, what will bring a relationship together, is love. And there's, there's all sorts of ways in the scriptures you can read about love. Love is patient, love is kind, love is not rude, love keeps no record of wrongs. Paul lists them all out in 1 Corinthians 13, read them all. But that's what he calls you to put on every single day. So, the true meaning of a church, the true measure of a church and of a Christian is the kind of people that marks them. What is your signature style? And it may be true of all of us that our signature style is supernatural love. We love people that shouldn't be loved. We love people who are unlovable because Jesus first loved us. So we come here, we come back to the, the guy who wore the same thing for 42 days. Hysterical, funny, amazing. But I hope that this is not the picture of my life in reality. That I'm unchanged. That I just keep wearing the same clothes all the time. Instead, every new morning I wake up and I ask myself, not just for physical, but relationally, spiritually, what will I wear today? Father in heaven, thank you for this amazing passage, simple, but so transforming, and I pray for every person listening to it, that they would experience your power, your mercy in their lives, and that they would experience the forgiveness of Jesus. If they need forgiveness, that they can experience it completely in Jesus Christ, but having experienced it, they can put on these incredible traits, and, um, and ask themselves, each one, what am I going to wear today, and in doing so, you can restore broken relationships, you can enrich good relationships, and you can begin new relationships. I ask this all in Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. God bless you guys. I love you.